I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. One of the biggest differences between men and women is that women remember everything. Sometimes even things that I think didn't really happen. Anyway, men remember nothing. That's why we have instant replays in sports. We just saw the thing, but we forgot it. Sportscaster by the name of Joe says, Hey, can we have an instant replay on that, Sid? Sportscaster Sid just says, Huh? What thing? <laughs> and I think that's why we're seeing more and more women sportscasters, too. They remember stuff. And some of them decorate the proceedings quite nicely, thank you. But there are some things even guys do remember, especially the big first-time things in our lives. For example, when I was about seven years old, we lived next to the Campbells, Mr. and Mrs. Campbell, and their six-year-old daughter, Jeannie Campbell. She was in kindergarten, and she was trying to learn which way the hat went on the number seven. Being a proud first grader, I knew which way the hat went on the seven, and I taught her that. <laughs> for some reason, it's a huge, big first memory for me. Funny thing about remembering Jeannie back there when I was seven years old. None of my fellow seven-year-old buddies liked girls. So, of course, I didn't either. But I do remember thinking that if I ever stopped disliking girls, Jeannie would probably be the first girl I would stop disliking. So scoot forward to my freshman year at all-boys Brooklyn Prep High School, which had scheduled the school dance. My parents encouraged me to go, but I explained that I didn't know any girls to ask to go with me. So my dad suggested that I ask Jeannie Campbell, and he just happened to have the Campbell's phone number handy. So I called Jeannie, and she accepted. And that started a second big memory cooking in my head and some other body parts, too. Dad gave me a few bucks to buy Jeannie a corsage. Now, I hadn't seen Jeannie since that seven-year-old right way to put the hat on the seven first-grade days. So when I showed up to take her to the dance, Jeannie had changed. I distinctly remember the moment when she walked out of her bedroom. She was wearing an evening gown and curves. I had to ask Mrs. Campbell to put the corsage where it belonged because there was no way I would be able to do it with the way my hands were shaking. Another first six-year-old memory I had was when my dad took me to an exhibition in the old Madison Square Garden. On the second floor of the exhibit, there was a yellow J3 Piper Cub. Dad picked me up put me in the pilot seat, and something exploded in my head. A lot of years later, I sat in the cockpit of a real airplane, roaring down the runway, taking my first for real flying lesson, and I felt the wheels 
actually lifting off the ground. And that same kind of explosion happened in my head. That started a 30-year flying career for me. Also, about age six, mom and dad gave me a portable radio for Christmas. I don't think I turned it off until the 4th of July. I grew up in Brooklyn, and I heard William B. Williams on the air at WNEW, which is one of New York's biggest radio stations. Willie B. always started his show by saying, Hello, world. (laughs) Willie was a big radio star, but he sounded like he was talking directly to me, that six-year-old kid with big ears in Brooklyn. Willie B., and he taught me more about radio in one sentence than most guys on the radio ever learn. Willie was a big wheel in an organization called Big Brothers. And the Big Brothers were some older guys who mentored younger kids, younger guys who didn't have a father figure in their lives. Willie did his usual fine interview with a singer by the name of Vic Damone, who was also a big brother in that organization. And uh, Vic Damone was doing a, a benefit concert for the Big Brothers organization. So Willie did his usual fine interview with Vic. And then he took about 10 seconds of dead air. 10 seconds of dead air on one of New York's top radio stations. Ten seconds of dead air. That's a long time. Try try counting that one down. And then Willie very quietly just said, Vic, I really like you. You know what? All these years later, that still makes the hair on my arms stand up straight. It was just two nice guys being real on the radio. Real radio. What a great idea. Lots of years later, I got to be the morning guy in WNEW-FM, and the FM studios were right down the hall from the AM studios. My first morning on the air, 9.46 a.m., I remember it. The studio door opened. A tectonic plate under WNEW's Fifth Avenue Manhattan studios shifted, and the Melocrino strings hit a giant chord and a shaft of light shone down from the window as William B. Williams strode into the studio. You sound great, kid, is what he said in that famous crackling bass baritone voice of his. I didn't know what to say, or what should I do? Should I shake his hand or kiss his ring? So I think I said something terribly sophisticated. I think I said, Gazornan Platz. <laughs> Talk about a special first-time memory. You know, I'll bet you you have some special first-time memories, too. I'd like to know about them. Would you please send them to me? Right? We'll maybe include some on next week's podcast. My email address is dick at dicksummer.com. Come on, send your best memories to me, and we'll put some in next week's podcast. (music) 
Next to Tales, a bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that you like to forget out your other ear. And just for a few minutes, you can have a little peace in your life. Oysters have dozens of eyes, which is probably why we call them seafood. Shelly little guys with dozens of eyes. <laughs> Some people say an oyster is a guy who uses a lot of Jewish words, you know, an oyster. If the answer is Beelzebub, what is the question? If the answer is Beelzebub, what is the question? You don't know, do you? Of course not. I haven't told you yet, but I'll tell you in a minute. If the answer is Beelzebub, what is the question? The planet Venus is the only planet that revolves backward from all the other planets. Well, Venus the planet was named for Venus, the lady goddess. And ladies do tend to dance backwards. And my lady wonder wench always reminds me that old-time movie stars Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers were great dancers. But she says Ginger Rogers was an even better dancer than Fred Astaire because Ginger Rogers did the same steps as Fred did but she had to do them backwards wearing high heels and I guess she's got a good point. And you know, there's no laundry in the space. I mean, there's no laundromats or anything like that in space. So astronauts tend to wear the same underwear for very long periods of time. One astronaut, a guy by the name of Don Pettit, decided to do one of the lesser known space experiments by trying to grow potatoes in the nutrients that had accumulated in his underwear, and he was successful. Don Pettit grew the first known space spuds. And one of today's space controversies concerns a thing called wormholes. Some scientists say, yes, there are wormholes. Other scientists say, no, there's no such thing as a wormhole. So, guys, can we please get that cleared up before we try using a wormhole for space fishing, you know? If the answer is Beelzebub, the question is, what do you call Satan when he takes the form of a mosquito that gets into your bedroom at 3 a.m. and cannot be cast out? <laughs> Beelzebub. And then you irritated him so much by trying to swat him that Satan said, let us put letters into math. And so algebra was born. Satan's first punishment for our sins. Oh, no. Dicks to tails, they take your mind off your mind. A little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or my spoken word story CDs at DickSummer.com, or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, at Amazon.com. Do you please tell a couple of friends, because they might like them too. Of course, that would be a favor to me, so thank you very much. Your biggest first-time memories for me, having been born and bred in Brooklyn, one of my first big memories was a, a trip to a farm. I found out where eggs really come from, firsthand. <laughs> and if I ever do that again, I will wear a leather glove because I found out that hens hate it when you swipe their kids. And I still remember seeing a rabbit running loose on a lawn in Albany, New York. I was 21 years old. But as I said, I'm from Brooklyn, and there are no rabbits running loose in Brooklyn, at least none that I've ever seen. 
And speaking of special, there was the first time seeing my kids doing special things, like watching number one son, Dave, playing his trumpet beautifully at a Christmas midnight mass when a bat flew into the church, which, as you can imagine, caused quite a Christmas commotion. Dave is also a computer programmer who puts our podcasts on the Internet every week. Thank you, Dave. Our tallest son, Eric, figured out how to hook up speakers from a radio when he was about 10. Eric taught himself about electronics, and he now has an electronics company. It's called Viking Amps. He makes guitar amps like nobody else. Mark, the family pitcher, you got to say it that way, the family pitcher, I was standing behind the chain-link backstop when he threw his little league no-hitter. Kurt, the youngest of our boys, I remember went running after his big brothers at the beach, hollering, What doing, guys? What doing, guys? Kurt now runs the computers at the FAA in Oklahoma City. And our daughter, Chris, when she first came home from the hospital, I remember she looked up at me, made a little face, and smiled as if to say, Okay, I'll be your daughter. (laughs) Chris still makes that little face and smiles that smile. And I got to tell you, when you have a daughter, you tend to try to be the kind of guy your daughter thinks you are. (laughs) Okay, what are some of your favorite first memories? Please send them to me. My email address is dick at dicksummer.com. We will put some of them in next week's podcast. There is a story about an instant that has become a big burning memory for a woman and a man in my Night Connections spoken word CD. The story is called Mr. Hard Guy. You've been in love. It hurts. And you don't need that kind of hurt again. You're a very private person. You have a good job and you work damn hard. In fact, the only person you've ever met who works with your kind of intensity is your boss. He cares, too. He's dedicated. He is incredibly passionate. In fact, just being with him makes you feel like more of a professional and more of a woman. He's also tough, demanding, and physically hard. The other women in the office like to joke that the softest part of him must be his teeth. You never tell them about his smile. Because you're one of the few people who has ever seen his smile. Until you felt the warmth of that smile. You didn't realize how cold your heart has been getting. Every time you stand close to him, your body makes you very physically aware of how good being close feels. It was late at night on a business trip sitting in an airport waiting room when you fell asleep on the chair next to him. And you became aware of his fingertips very carefully touching your hair, keeping your head from slipping off his shoulder. And you opened your eyes to say thanks. His lips barely touched yours. That's when he smiled. You've been a team in so many ways on the job that you've come to know what's on each other's minds. Without a word, that instant, you issued each other a challenge. One that you both found that your bodies were eager to accept. You also know that it will be only once. That once will have to last 
your lifetimes. When is the only question left? Where is simply not important. It will be wherever you happen to be when it's time. Actually, it will be a moment that has nothing to do with time because you will both resist. That's how you are. You're a match for each other. So it will be at some random moment when you're both taken by surprise. A moment out of time. Probably when you are defending each other against a mutual danger. Some terrorism that threatens both of you at the same time. Some terrible hurt. Like one of you falling in love with someone else. Or even falling in love with each other. when it's going to happen. I think they'll schedule it well in advance so they can enjoy the hot heat of anticipation because that's how they are. Mr. Hard Guy, who made her his Ms. Softy. called Mr. Hard Guy. It's from my Night Connections Spoken Word Story CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or tell you what, if you'd like a free, no-strings-attached download, just send your email address to me, dick at dicksummer.com, and your free download will be in your mail almost immediately. So, what are some of your favorite first-time, big-time memories? First time you really fell in love, maybe, huh? Or... Sometime when you laughed so hard your face hurt. (laughs) How about taking a wonderful, long, hot summer shower? Maybe with uh, somebody very special. Maybe it was one time on a long drive when some radio station played your favorite song and you really needed to hear it right just then because it was a terrible, tough day. Or were you just lying in bed listening to the rain outside and feeling very thankful for a nice place to live on a nasty night. How about a good giggle at the end of a special hours-long phone conversation? I've had plenty of big first-time memories in my life, but possibly the best and the biggest happened a long time ago when a lady named Barbara became my lady wonder wench. The night was soft and beautiful, And so was she. She just looked up out of my arms at me and she very quietly said, Whatever you want.
Okay. Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.